quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Seattle, a city with a collective identity constantly in flux, always changing. But what it's always been and continues to be is a magnet for creators to come experiment and to make their own. Oh, and weed is legal here. I took a walk through this beautiful world. Felt the cool rain on my shoulder Dancing in the earth in this beautiful world I felt the rain getting colder Seattle has always been a place where you can go to reinvent yourself. It's a place that on the surface would seem to require commitment. Famously gray, rainy, not particularly friendly, and all the way up there in the far corner of the country. A place you could get work in the aircraft industry or make music or, rather notoriously, become a serial killer. Whether outfitting prospectors during the Alaskan gold rush or looking for some kind of cred from the music scene. It's always boom or bust. Now it's a new kind of boom. Microsoft, Google, Twitter, Expedia, and Amazon are the big dogs in town. A flood of them. Tech industry workers, mostly male, derisively referred to as tech boys or tech bros, rapidly changing the DNA of the city, rewiring it to satisfy their own newly empowered nerdly appetites. Meet our new apple martini drinking overlords. Tech Boys!
fish and chips is the thing, right? That's the thing. Yeah. Astra, Elaine, and Dustin Patterson are members of the local band, The Gods Themselves. They wrote a song about the new kids in town. Pacific Inn Pub is a holdout, a place that has so far managed to resist the temptation to appease the invaders. For lunch, fish and chips. You know, bitter old like me are, of course, going to complain anytime we hear about, you know, a lot of high-fiving white guys coming to town. And yet you've created this sort of iconic hate anthem. Can you tell the tech people from the non-tech people? Yeah, they have the badges. Neutral colored clothing. They're kind of easy to spot. They have a walk. They have a walk. Yeah. They're just all the same. There's nothing that really stands out about them. They're so dull. Dating apps are really big here. I have a few girlfriends who have dated a couple of tech boys. Is there personal hygiene an issue? Like the nerdier tech boys will have that smell, that mildewy smell. You know what I'm talking about? Wow, you really have a low opinion of these people. Well, we're generalizing now, Tony. I'm all for that. <laughs> Everybody in Seattle's a musician, a serial killer, or a chef, as far as I'm concerned. So. <laughs> Uh, in a lot of ways, I mean, this was always a company town. You know, Boeing, before Boeing, it was a logging town. I mean, the new company is tech, and it is flooding money into the place. I look out my hotel room window, and I mean, it's cranes as far as the eye can see. You realize, like, okay, all those cranes out there, they're for high-rise condos, they're for a certain type of person. They're envisioning a certain type of future for the city, and it's tech people. Or, you know, somebody who likes to drive around and pick up hitchhikers and dismember them. Capitol Hill is Seattle's established gayborhood, going back to the mid-1960s. Old school cool, but with every passing day, change. The hill has become the new weekend stomping ground of breeders from the tech companies, and the locals are displeased. John Criscatello, street artist, is waging a one-man war against the rent hikes that are pushing people like him out of the neighborhood. Are we talking about an infestation of tech bros? Well, is, is this, uh, what, 10 years ago, would this be a gay neighborhood? It was sort of enclave for artists and for queer people. And so what's happening now? Or big tech corporations that have moved into the city. And people need some place to live, so a lot of development companies bought up every corner. If they keep this sort of facade, they can build taller. So this was just this, and then right. they plunked this down in the center. So they're keeping the character of the neighborhood they sort of kind of. They call it facotomy. I've heard <laughs> it termed facotomy. The problem, of course, is that rents double. So right. what you used to be able to get a studio apartment for $700, now all of a sudden the entry point is $1,500, which is considerable for artists, anybody. You know, that's the sort of lament now, is where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Yeah. Where are you going to go? Right. So all these outsiders are coming in, renting expensive apartments. What kind of businesses are opening to accommodate these new arrivals? Well, in this neighborhood, that construction over on that side is a Whole Foods. Oh, no, that's the side of the apocalypse. That is that, the that is, That's the official indicator that, that the is neighborhood the is... That's it right there.
because of the boom and everything that's been happening, you do have that kind of have and have nots here. And I think there's an identity crisis where people are starting to really question what is Seattle and who is it? But historically, you go back to the 90s, I mean, it was the city of grunge. And now I would say it's the city of geeks. And it's, it's, it's boomtown right now. And yeah, this kind of boom does happen in other places, but then again, it doesn't. John Cook and Todd Bishop of GeekWire, an industry-leading news site that started covering the tech industry back in 2011. Lunch is at Revel right down the street from their offices. The chef is Rachel Yang, and the food is Korean. To eat, cilantro noodles, yu choy, and thinly sliced flat iron steak. Pancakes with braised pork belly and bean sprouts. Marinated short rib rice bowl with house sambal, daikon, kimchi, and egg. And short rib dumplings topped with pickled shallot and scallion salad. Of course, I'm hearing from a lot of people who are bemoaning the loss yeah. of the old Seattle. Right. Uh, this invasion of outsiders. Certainly, the community is going through a lot of growing pains, and there's an element of the city here that is rebelling against the progress, especially as we talk about a company like Amazon that controls massive amounts of the downtown real estate footprint now. And that's what scares a lot of people here, including myself, because I see how the trends of history change, especially in technology, that one day Microsoft's hot, the next day Apple's hot, now Amazon's hot. They go through these cycles and they don't always live through them. And we're left with a city that's totally transformed because of it. What percentage of the total dollar-generating space on the internet is occupied by porn? <laughs> well, you know, this is Todd's expertise, so I'll defer to him. Historically, the adult industry, even if it's not completely dominating the economics all the time, it is the, the leader of technology. It, it, it's the first with HD. It's the first to try out a new wave of 3D technology, virtual reality, augmented reality, and, and you see it over and over again. The latest is VR and AR. Yeah. Uh, do, you know that the, do you know the number one search term on uh, porn websites for the Seattle area? Stepmom. What's up with their stepmom? Jen McEwen and Jesse Adams are two nice people who've chosen the porn business as a way to make a living. They launched My Candy, the world's first mobile app store for masturbators and aficionados of graphic erotica. But they are looking ahead, the next levels of porn. Personalized, interactive, virtual reality porn. And I can tell you, my friends, it's chillingly realistic. Generally speaking, who are your customers uh, demographically? Mostly male. Yeah, they're coming from all over the world. Right. They're looking for more unique experiences, and I think that's why VR is very important for them. And just also a lot of people who say they discovered their sexuality and their identity mm -hmm. through stuff like this. 
What adult industry is really good at is whatever your specific interest is, we'll find the exact person for you. Well, the exact piece of content. You well, like like, like Amazon does. Yeah. So Tony, based on your previous purchases, you know, we can recommend the following stepmom-related yeah. materials. <laughs> Do you, you want to see some VR porn? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God. There we go. Now, should I look behind me? Because I don't want to get spit roasted here. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of scary. <laughs> it's good. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited-edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Weed, smoke, ganja, reefer. Call it what you will, it's marijuana. Oh, I could go on all day. Long story short, Washington State legalized weed in 2012. And I plan to make the most of it while scrupulously adhering to the lay of the law, like I always do. The options available in places like this, Emerald Haze, are mind-boggling. Well, how can I help you out today? Well, I, um, where to begin? Where to begin? There is a dizzying array of products. You got dozens of strains of bud, oils to vape, weed-infused edibles, mints, syrups, ointments, probably lube. Remind me to ask. My advice, don't even try to shop stone. Decision-making was never, in my case, a strong point while baked. 
which which is sleepy? I forget. Is it indica or sadhava that's uh, peppy? Uh, the other one is sleepy. The indica will put you in the couch. It's going to be your sleepy body high. Right. Sativa is going to be more of your awake alert high, kind of mostly feeling it in the head. Right. Like crouched in the bathroom in a fetal position, paranoid. <laughs> Not or like that yeah. crazy. Okay, good. I think uh, let's do um, some of both. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you have on offer here? We do have a deal on our pack of three today from mm -hmm. Hollingsworth, which they had the blueberry Kush, the Alaskan yes. Thunder, and then also a Dutch treat, which will be more of a hybrid. I mean, I have to. Alaskan Thunder, but you kind of have to. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is from our friends yeah. at uh, Yeah, these are from Hollingsworth, which is very nice. Two hours outside of Seattle lies Hollingsworth Cannabis Company Farm. The woods are alive with, well, weed. Rows and rows of weed, carefully grown and tended to by one family. Third-generation Seattleites, the Hollingsworths. And at the helm of the company, these guys, brother and sister duo Raft and Joy Hollingsworth. Oh, hi! Didn't see you there. Wait, hold on. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. Didn't see you there. In 2013, then you say the rest of the no, shit. No, I can't remember. Okay, we're gonna do it. I'm Joy Hollingsworth. I got it. Oh hi. Say it, say it. Let's take a let's take a closer look, shall we? <laughs> While some corporate outfits are rushing to cash in on the new crop, the Hollingsworth Cannabis Company is doing it a slower, more personal way. Solar-powered greenhouses, hand-trimmed buds, and hand-packed bags ensure the freshest and highest quality of chronic. They're keeping it all in the family. Raft runs the manufacturing and growing. Joy does the processing and sales. Auntie came out of retirement to assist with the oil cartridges. Dad puts labels on the packaging, and Mom fills the ready rolls and assists in quality control. As I will, and have, and will again. Back in the city, Mamnoon restaurant on Melrose. Have you been here before? Absolutely. This is a good spot. How you doing? Uh, I've been smoking some of your products, so uh, if I'm a little unfocused. Uh... <laughs> before this, you did? Uh, what's that? Before this. Before this, yeah. <laughs> He's like, what, Mamnoon is a modern take on traditional Syrian and Lebanese food. And it's done well. There's baharat spiced beef and lamb kebabs. Fried cauliflower with tahini. A summer fateh with local squash and charred tomatoes topped with sizzling brown butter and pine nuts. That's sweet and sour rice wrapped in grape leaves. This looks so good. The hummus is great. It's my favorite cuisine. So how's business? It's been an interesting three years because I feel like every year we've been like refining the process and trying to get better. We're the little guys. Right now, we're mom and pop. Yeah, we're the mom and pop. But see, the difference is Washington State set up the law 
to try to help mom and pops get started. How did you convince the family? This yes. must have seemed like a, a sketchy venture. Yes. It's a gamble. Raph said, hey, I, I got a family meeting. I need you here tonight. And we're all sitting there, and he puts on his little PowerPoint on the TV, and it's about 32 pages. And he tells us, hey, we need to go to Mason County, grow a ton of weed. And we're all like, what are you talking about? And my mom raises her hand, and she goes, wait, I have something really important. Y'all look at her, and she goes, I want to be R&D. Can I smoke and tell you if the weed is good? And then all of a sudden, he starts moving. My business plan ended at get a license. To get a license, it was to build a fence, put up some cameras, right. and get out the way. And right. they'll come, give you a final inspection, and now you are licensed to grow weed in the state of Washington. How many people grow weed, do you think, in the Seattle-Washington state region? There's oh, yeah, a lot. There's a lot. There's over 1,100 producer processors in Washington state and about 400 licensed retail stores. Weed, everybody smokes weed. There's no so many people of all different types that smoke weed. We did a store visit, and we saw people come in and out. Grandmas, moms, professionals. Like, I'm sure if that store took demographics of their clientele, right. they would have a spectrum of different type of people. People like to get high. What do they want these days? There are so many choices. Our biggest seller are the pre-rolls. People like ready-made cannabis. You want to buy and get high. Loose joints. Loose joints. Most right. people. Really? They don't, people don't like to roll. They don't know own. how to roll joints. No. People, teach your children. Well, I mean, right, this is a basic life skill. What do you smoke? Well, I like to smoke, as I, as I said, I like to smoke weed. I, the Alaskan Thunder is an irresistible package. Alaskan Thunder? Yeah. That's old school. Um, Hell's Angels, that's their, that's their old school strain. Did you smoke it? Yeah, it's, I, I can't compare and contrast because I've been trying them all one after the other. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was smoking weed since I'm 13. Right. You know, all the bad shit that, that was supposed to happen if you, you know, smoke too much weed didn't really happen. Uh, but looking into my own life, uh, you know, I've seen my ambition. Uh, you know, there, there were things I was thinking about doing, but, you know, once I start smoking some good weed, I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm good. In a nondescript-looking in Bellevue, some very smart people are looking into things like how to stop hurricanes before they happen, ending malaria, and how to make the perfect hamburger. Nathan Mervold is the former chief technology officer of Microsoft, a genius, an inventor, and a very wealthy man who's free to indulge his passions, most noticeably for cooking and all things food. Over the last years, he and his team have published an incredibly lavish and authoritative series of books, Modernist Cuisine, dedicated to debunking popular misconceptions and documenting the results with the best high-tech photography and graphic art imaginable. Head chef Francisco Migoya is leading the team into a new mission now, demystifying bread for all of us. People like me, someone who's cooked his whole life. I live in terror of, of bread. Uh, anything that rises, in fact, like a horse, senses my fear <laughs> and insecurity and misbehaves. I'm, I'm tenuous with any doughs. 
you know, I see people who work with it all the time, they're slapping it around like it's nothing. I'm <laughs> like this, and it always goes wrong on me. It just yeah. never quite right. Will your work help me in my- It will help you, Tony. Bread is actually amazingly robust. Uh, although we've got lots of recipes, recipes aren't as important as understanding sort of the fundamentals of what's going on. And once you do, it's, it's really quite forgiving. Few things are more mysterious and unknowable than the bagel. Can one perhaps create the perfect bagel and with toppings that don't fall off? As a New Yorker, I'm inclined to say no, but now I, I'm not sure. And what is this? Bread in a jar? But, but what? What, what okay, is going so on here? This is the kind of sick thing we do. We wondered, could you can bread? By God, you can. This is rum babas. Oh, I which love is them. a bread in the sense it uses yeast. Yes. And we canned them. And now watch what happens when we open it up. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's really good. And how long will this stay in there? Nine months. And it so I can have good. perfectly fresh bread in nine months if I just pop the top on a thing. But look, you know, jaded cooks and chefs like me, they still find there are certain unknowables or things that cause them to pause in the kitchen and gaze with wonder at the magic of something like bread. Aren't you afraid that in some way you're doing Satan's work here by quantifying <laughs> magic? Food is a very romantic thing. It's usually experienced, at best, in an emotional way. Absolutely. By explaining it. Absolutely, it's emotional. Absolutely, it can be art. But knowing how to do it right, to me, doesn't diminish that. Mm. Across the water from my hotel in the Puget Sound, just outside the city limits, the wilderness opens up, and it's beautiful. No. On Vashon Island, a clam bake with dungeness crab, spot prawns, mussels, corn, and potatoes covered in kelp and steamed together under burlap. Old school. Grant Crilly and Chris Young worked with Nathan at Modernist Cuisine before breaking off to do their own thing, Chef Steps, a high-tech outfit dedicated to help people cook better 
with step-by-step video apps and interactive content. Essentially, the way we look at it is our job is to help people cook, cook a meal for their family, cook a meal for their friends where they're happy and didn't know they could cook that well. Yeah. Because we're kind of technologists, too. We think, you know, there's a role for technology, but there's also a role for, for craft and tradition. I think there's an element of uncertainty and risk that is very exciting to me when I cook. You know, it's the imperfections in life that are most interesting. If everybody knew how to sauce pasta correctly, I don't know that that would make me happier. The kitchen is a pretty scary place for a lot of people. And so if, if you can bring technology in that takes that fear away because they know that it's going to come out well, they're going to be happy with the result, that'll get them to cook again. Coming from the guys who, you know, wrote modernist cuisine, we're trying to find that 21st century blend between YouTube and Instagram and technology right. and tools like that with the things that are great about cooking, which is sharing a meal. I think you're missing a central dynamic here. I mean, why do people Instagram pictures of food? To share their wonderful eating experience? No, no it's to make other people feel bad about what they're eating. It's like, look, I'm eating <laughs> no, I agree with that all these sure. incredible crabs, and you're sitting at home in some, you know, eating, dirty eating, underwear eating, eating Doritos. Yeah. I mean, hopefully. I mean, Doritos are pretty tasty. <laughs> <laughs> The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. It is probably unfair to suggest that the Pacific Northwest and Seattle area have been home to a disproportionately large number of serial killers. But I'll do it anyway. Chuck Taylor Oysters here. Wonderful, thank you. Anything else I can grab you, gentlemen? Uh, I'm good for now. Good for now? All right, enjoy. A fat bastard. That sounds uh, interesting. Fred Moody is a writer and bartender. Jack Wisner is a transit planner for King County Metro. And Knute Berger is a journalist and columnist for Seattle Weekly. Old school Seattle all. Taylor Shellfish Oyster Bar in Pioneer Square is old school too. The Taylor family has been farming more than 12,000 acres of tidelands in the Puget Sound, Willapa Bay, and the Hood Canal for over five generations, since 1890. With three restaurants in town, they know what they're doing. Are you eat these whole? Head, tail, bones and all? Yes. Whole local smelt flash-fried and served with pepperoncini, sambal aioli. Local Dungeness crab cooked and chilled with pickled ginger sauce. And oysters. Lots of oysters. Seattle has been, for, for a very long time, considered one of the more foodie, for lack of a better word, foodie cities. Yeah. And you ask me why, generally, they say the sheer abundance of really good ingredients. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got the ocean there. You've got cattle country and orchard country just over the mountains. Yeah. To say one of the things that's changed in Seattle is there's not just the Pike Place market, but every neighborhood has a market. Has a green market. Yeah. So those entrepreneurs have a place to sell. They can go to all the markets or just some of them. Uh, but it's really fantastic. So everybody born and bred in Seattle? I was, yeah. Born here? Yes. 
and Bellingham, which is... Oh, sure, serial killer uh, capital of the world. <laughs> uh, there was a bar there where both Ted Bundy and the Green River Killer had been uh, patrons. Yeah. Bundy was born in Tacoma. And that's right. The uh, Hillside Sniper Hill and also the Beltway Sniper. Right. Worst one was the Green River Killer. Yeah. Why is uh, Seattle, uh, the Pacific Northwest, such a magnet for serial killers? Any theories? You know, people come here to hide out. They, they think, well, they look at the map and it's like... The two mountain ranges are just a couple hours away. Literally, you can hide bodies like a short drive from wherever you are. So, you convenient know, body dumping? Body dumping. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be part of it. You have all that lush greenery. You're looking to dump a body. Seattle. <laughs> you know, I've always thought the rain was kind of part yeah. of it. You get to that stretch from, yeah, maybe October to February, and by the time you're in February, I mean, you... You want, to, you want to become a serial killer. I mean, you know, but, but, it's hard. But apparently you can. <laughs> Is Seattle a teeming hive of serial killers? Or am I just an idiot with a morbidly overactive imagination and an attraction to the dark, ugly side of life? Meet retired homicide detective Mike Szynski, who for over 12 years specialized in cold cases in the region. We meet at the Shanghai Room in Greenwood, where Fred Moody tends bar. The North Star Diner next door provides nourishment. Crab, bacon, and melted cheese is, when discussing dump sites and ligature marks, a must. Why does it seem that there's a disproportionate number of serial killers in the Seattle and uh, Washington State area? Do you have a theory on this? Well, I don't think the most serial killers are when shopping for areas where they live. This is just where they ended up. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're a detective for as long as I've been a detective and you're around um, very evil people, it's a place where I don't want you to have to come and look at it through my eyes. And I can talk to you about it and all that, but I hope you never have to see it like I see it. Because, you know, it's not a, it's a different place. It's a place you don't want to be. And uh, How many... Uh... How many working serial killers do you think are out there right now in the uh, Washington State area? I would say, I mean, easily right now, easily over 75 uh, people out here that are, are probably serial murderers. The FBI oh, listed as... 75. Oh, yeah. I don't care how nice it is here and, you know, fun Seattle and stuff, you know. I know how many evil people are running around here. So, do you think these guys are all down regular jobs? But yeah, they could they can just go on and have their you know a regular what it's what seemed to us as a regular life. They can also have wives. Yeah, like, I always worry about the, I always wonder about the wives. It's like don't you notice you know the mementos and the unusual odor coming from the crawl space? I mean, what John Wayne Gacy exactly? I mean, you know, and uh, dress. What's with the whole clown outfit? John? I mean, first of all, all you got to do is put on a clown suit, and already <laughs> you're you're a suspect. <laughs>
Mark Lanigan is, to my mind, one of the greatest living singer-songwriters making music today. His songs and lyrics, reflective of a long, hard life, cut me right down to the bone. His career has spanned two decades, beginning with the Screaming Trees in the 90s and continuing through numerous brilliant collaborations with artists like Queens of the Stone Age, PJ Harvey, Kurt Cobain, Uncle, Mad Season, The Gutter Twins, Isabel Campbell, and Massive Attack. Maybe you know him from such theme songs as this show. Spicy. Yeah, that's good. Dinner with Mark and touring guitarist Jeff Fielder at Ocho in Ballard, where they serve up generous drinks and Spanish-influenced tapas. You grew up around, what, two, two hours uh, outside of Seattle? Yeah, in eastern Washington, which is like a countryside, ranching, farming community. You don't live here anymore. You live in L.A. now? Yeah. How long since you left? Uh, it's been 20 years. Oh, wow. But I come back here, you know, a couple times a year, play shows. I still have family in, in the city, and I think of it as home still, you know. I always will. Um, it's just uh, it's the home I, I don't live in anymore. Well, kind of the whole time, you know. I mean, I played my first gigs when I was 13. Been touring with with Mark since about 2010. What was the first band, first time you were ever on stage? And where was it? It was in my hometown. I was 15, and some guys I worked in a restaurant with had a band. They were older, and uh, I sang at one pool party that they had. What was the set list there? Covers or uh... a lot of Van Halen. <laughs> oh wow! Sticks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you have played and play with a lot of different people from different styles of music. I think a lot of musicians I know and have met would would have a hard time with that. You seem to move effortlessly around. I don't know, I've just been blessed uh, a lot of opportunity. I get to play with a lot of people whose music I really love, so I'm happy. You know, after having been in my own band for many years and suddenly like I'm taking jobs or I'm just playing part of somebody's set. At first it was a little awkward, but then I grew to really love doing it because <laughs> it was easy and fun and there was no pressure. I did that for quite a few years, and uh, I, I'm available to do that again if anybody wants me. 
marble street The procession spills in At the white sea wall Waves crash And crash again Darkness shining Disappearing Day follows night Night follows day sentimental about how Seattle used to be. Uh, you know, I guess it's sort of like being sentimental about grade school or, you know, any time of your life that isn't around anymore. I, I, miss, I miss some of the guys that were around then that aren't around anymore, you know, some of my friends. But, you know, that's life. Goodbye. a proper omelet or like wiping your own ass. Knowing how to roll a joint is an essential life skill for any self-respecting member of society in my view. Pay attention people.
some strange religion This jack of diamonds kicked her hard around When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.